1: Civilized man,
0: my
2: Take it in the guts, Barry. All you've got to do now is pass the Australian culture test. Three simple questions, Three you and together? you go through that doorway to the greatest little country the The impact of the mismanagement of our river is killing our culture, our animals, our plants, our environment. It is causing a cultural genocide of our people. That river is our mother. We know it as the Barker.
1: water is a necessity.
0: We need prosecution of environmental crimes. That includes holding back a whole river system.
2: When the river is down, it's the mental problems that people have. It's a national disaster. We have in our constitution our human right to water. When is this country going to wake up?
0: Good morning everyone, Annie here for Showreel. That was the promo for a film project called The Voice of the Barker. Today we are going to look at the work of filmmaker Rory McLeod, who is using his filmmaking to bring the issues of the health of the Barker Darling River system to public attention. You may remember his recent documentary, When the River Runs Dry. Rory has been following the People's Tribunal into the health of the river system. The Tribunal recently released its report which encompasses the voices of the people who live along the river's shore. The citizens' inquiry into the health of the Barker-Darling River and Menindee Lakes. You can find the report at tribunal.org.au. First, we hear a little from the recent launch of the report and from the filmmaker. So
3: now I'm really very grateful to um, have Ryan, Jasper and Mark Merritt um, joining us. Um, Mark Merritt came and met with me um, in the middle of 2018 to tell me all about um, the plight of the Menindee Lakes system. I'd heard about the Murray Darling for decades and as someone who loves country was very worried, but it was Mark and Susie Peake and Sarah Moles, who came and met with me and said, we really, it would be terrific to include what's going on with the Menindee Lakes in the 2018 Tribunal. So um, Mark and Ryan, just being aware that we only have 10 minutes left, if you would like to share just a couple of minutes um, from your own perspectives, particularly as you were um, such fantastic, uh, not only champions of the issues, but you, you know, helped us with everything on the logistics side for the two-week trip and did such a huge job um, with all of the the film work and the and the work there so mark if you would like to make some comments first and then Ryan that would be really terrific thank you
1: Thank You Michelle and thank you uh, everybody for being here um, I'm uh, pay my respects to the um, Dungaddy people who have not ceded their country to the uh, colonial forces Um, i would also like to say when i was first engaged with this this issue i saw a river flowing backward and i couldn't believe that and somebody said well that happens every day they turn on the pumps and i thought that's not right and you know when i looked into it i realized that government policies State and federal are actually killing Australian people. These are people that I can drive to, like, who live in Outback New South Wales. It's not overseas. It's not in the Middle East. These are our people who are being killed by government policy, literally, and um, it, it it really makes you angry. And um, so you know we created a website called the vanishing river where we just put up some some interviews from people out out west when we started the people said why talk to us nobody listens to us but they're listening now and the whole world is listening now and so thank you for everybody in the west who's speaking up Now i know that murray butcher and Brendan Adams, and, and Barry Stone, and, and all the beautiful people in Western New South Wales, and all the language groups out there are watching, and they know that people are listening. So we have to keep talking. We have to take this report to the highest place and, and get everybody in Australia to be aware of it. We wanna print them, print more and more of them, get them in every school, every library in this country because this is a problem that's not going to go away. We have to sort it out. And that's just about all I have to say.
3: Thank Fantastic you. Fantastic as usual, Mark. Thank you so much. And Ryan, would you like to um, say good day and tell us a bit about where you're up to with the film? And I, every time I see Ryan, I, I, I almost laugh out loud about how he had to put up with me for two weeks straight <laughs> microphones on me, yeah. grab me when I was stressed upset. <laughs> so um, I'm really glad that you can be here too.
4: Anyway, over to you, Don. Thanks, Michelle. Thank you. No worries. Pleasure. Can you hear me okay? Excellent. Yeah, so thanks, Mark, and all the rest of the panel members for for um, speaking tonight and inviting me to speak. Thank you, Michelle. Um, well, what can I say? I mean, what an honour it was for us to come out and, and record the Citizens' Inquiry through eight towns over 1500 kilometres, more than 110 um, testimonies from different people from all walks of life across the whole region of the Darling um, Southern from right from Northern, uh, Northern Victoria to Northern New South Wales. Um, so I guess, you know, I'm a, I'm a humble filmmaker. Um, so when I heard about this issue, it was Mark who, Mark Merritt, who has kind of been on, on, the, on the dog and bone to me. I can't tell you how many times telling you how important and how massive this is. So I, I give my thanks to you, Mark, for, for, for your hard work in pursuing it. Um, and uh, and um, so when I heard about the Citizen's Inquiry last year, I thought this is an event that needs to be recorded. This is history in the making. So we pulled together a crew and, and came out and filmed it. And And part of it is all the videos you see on the website. And the other part of it is all of the footage we shot behind the scenes of all the challenges, the ups and downs that the the panel went through in um, pulling together that event and interviewing all those people and going through such an emotional roller coaster that they experienced, which from my perspective I find really interesting because it shows shows you how deep and how impactful and on the scale and severity of this issue. So, the film now moving forward, um, we are continuing to follow the groundswells of movement on the ground, amidst act- activists fighting for the justice of the Dali, of the Barker. Um, right now, there's all sorts of things happening out West. There's a lot of energy, a lot of momentum. Um, it is, gr- it is um, growing in people's awareness across the country. So, um, w- moving forward, we are wanting to continue the documentary from the, the inquiry that we recorded then the impact that's having on people on the ground and how it's inspiring them lifting them up giving them hope and then following the actions that then go then being being carried out from there to try and create change to try and restore their dying darling so you can follow us on social media um, at the voice of the Barker yeah please please support us And, and if you would like to see this film come to fruition please reach out and contact me Um, We have a lot of footage, we have all the access secured, um, we have, yeah, it's all there. Um, It's just sort of getting some financial support behind us so we can produce it to the scale it needs to be produced to to reach lots of people and ultimately raise more awareness and Mm -hmm. promote the incredible findings and recommendations that have been put forward through the Citizens Inquiry.
3: Thank you. Thank Um, you. And um, for us, even on the panel, this is not the end, this is just the beginning of helping to promote the stories and get the word out there. So um, now that we've got the dang thing out and uh, can be back on our feet helping in other ways, I would really, really urge people to get in touch with Ryan. And if you've got any contacts with funders and others, please do get in touch. I think the film is critically important for the story of one of the heartlands of Australia.
2: The viewers was going to look at this to understand that we are fighting for this, not only for our children, not only for me. We're fighting for this for all Australians, and please help us. This is your fellow's future too. What we're fighting for. We'd walk along the river, as I said, when we should go fishing down the river. We look in the river, we we'll see, like David mm-hmm. said, catfish nest. If we wanted to eat a catfish, we'll get him. Go out on the logs, look down, Mm. we see a perch, Mm. cod. We want one of them, we'll get them. And they they would get boatloads of eggs and come back and they'd be all here, look, spread out, the different duck eggs. Those days will never, ever dawn again. We'd camp on the sandbar, do night fishing and all. There's None you've... of that today. I'll go down to where we used to do that at that same place. Mm-hmm. It's all gone. All the sandbars are all gone. I just about cried when I seen it.
1: Down the river around Menindee, you just see fish trying to gasp for oxygen. They're up there going, oh, Can you imagine? I mean, it's, it's, it must be like a concentration camp in there. This water belongs
2: to Mother Nature belongs to the people of this river, belongs to the people up the river, down that way. The one thing I would love to see before anything is my two boys to be sitting by the river with their grandfather before it's too late.
3: I've never got to the state where fish is dead like we see now. It's very, very sick and so are the people. So are us Aboriginal people, our river's not right. That's us, that's that's the blood what runs through our veins, you know, that river
4: the damage we're doing now, we will feel for probably in the next 50 years. My name is Rory McLeod, and I'm a filmmaker with a passion for the environment.
5: My name is Petey Yates. I've knocked around the bush for most of my life. The image that came through my computer of two blokes standing in a river holding huge Murray cod that have died from lack of oxygen was like a kick in the guts. I was just completely appalled by this and so within hours we'd thrown some stuff in the car and we were gone we went up to Menindee to film this event
4: to bring everybody's stories together in a way that's powerful and has a really big impact all the way into the future now we need your support to help us to continue to make this into a 30 to 90 minute documentary we've self-funded
5: so far we can't keep doing that And do a good job so we're asking you please to put up what you can afford a few dollars even will make a huge difference this is one of the biggest moments in australia's environmental history and we all need to pull together to make something good out of this disaster
0: you're with annie on showreel on 3cr your community radio station Today we are following the use of filmmaking to amplify the message of the voices of people who live along the Barker-Darling River, which was part of a two-week intensive investigation in, in 2019 after the mass fish kills along the river traced back to broken government water policy and corporate water greed. Part of the process used by the citizens' inquiry into the health of the barker Darling River and Menindi Lakes was to take video evidence from people affected by the environmental degradation. This is Glenn Boney from Berrow giving his evidence.
2: Oh, go to the first one. My name's Glenn Boney, I'm a resident of Braewarer, but I grew up in a place called Godoga. Gee. The, ch- the changes I've got, the changes I've seen, I've seen it not only in this river, in our, the river where I grew up in. When I was probably I'm 52 now, probably when I was about 17, I've seen the river system change back then in the local community because how we, how we lived on the river system, with how we caught our fish, our yabbies, turtles, shrimp, um, the shrimps in the river banks, I've seen that decline from when I was 17 year old. I've seen a declination probably over 35 years now.
5: Mm-hmm.
2: <coughs> and because I've seen that in the river, in the land, when they started knocking, all our bush tucker down the trees for the farming. That's what I seen when I was like when I said when I was seventeen I seen because a lot of the birds became extinct, like the quarrying, the budgerigar, the red robins, a lot of the blue wrens, they all started to disappear. And so did our water oil, because our water our river system on the Bukhara, the Kalgawa and the Beery, always had water. When they dried up, they left water holes. And even water, so that's where we caught. We'd block the river off, we'd steer the water holes, we'd break trees, we'd steer the water hole up. That's how we caught our fish. The fish come for air, we'd knock on dead. We, that's how we caught our fish. And same with the land. That's where we got our napans, our snotty gum, our old gum of the trees. That's the way we lived when I was growing up. I come to this community and I, and I see this river slowly decline like because I brought my children up on the river water. I lived on the river over and 4. We had a pump that pumped the water into a tank. When the pump broke down, we walked down with our buckets and carried the water to our house. And I brought my two children up on the same water. My children are 31 and 32 years old. So that's how long ago this water was clear and was drinkable. So I brought, I brought my kids up on, on river water. Then when the cotton industry come along as well, that's when you see the decline in your black brim, the fish you caught. You could go to the fish and catch a yellow belly or feed on a Sunday, any day of the week, you would guarantee to catch a yellow belly. You go now you'll catch a carp, you catch nothing. <coughs> and that's the same as the black brim. You would always, you'd always catch one of those. You don't catch one. You never caught one for years now. You're lucky to catch a yellow belly now. And it was like with the river. When that decline is when the kingfisher started di- stopped diving into the river. And that's how I noticed when the river system was going. When the kingfisher, the bird, stopped swimming in the river to dive down to get for fish, he, was, he, he went extinct. Long this river system, he became extinct. The one bird that told the story about the river. Why well, he never went back down to river because they started to poison him. Yeah, and that's like well I that's part of what I, I seen about decline. I've seen a lot of them route around the district where I've worked on farms. I worked on properties with sheep and I've sprayed weed. I worked there with um, poisonous weeds and I've seen decline in the country, in the land clearing they've done. Well, they've totally destroyed the land. Totally and not only destroyed the land, they destroyed destroyed communities, destroyed people lives, mentally, physically, emotionally. So when you were 16, 17,
5: you could still fish and the water was
3: still clear. So are we talking about maybe the late 80s?
2: Early 80s? Yeah. Yeah. So that's a pretty short amount of time to see such like, deterioration, isn't like it? Like I said, I brought yeah. my children up on the riverbank in a tin humpy with dirt floors with this river water here. Yeah. I so said um, I'd boil a, boil a billy can. Yeah. Make their titty bottles. Give it to them. They never got sick. Never got sick. Never, my kids never got yeah. sick. So they Every washed and drank it. Washed in and drank it. That. Well, that's, all, that's the only water resource we had. Mm. This, the town part, the, the town already had filled with water. Yeah, you know, Dog City, Westbury had filtered water, but Ballan Four, we didn't get filtered water, shit to the mid eighties, mm. maybe nineties, the mm. till but they started to build new homes around Ballan. We were still living on the dirt floors yeah. and still running our kids on the spring water.
3: So the land clearing started to pick up around then.
2: Oh, a lot of the land clearing then, a lot of the water. water.
3: Yeah. Irrigation picking up around that same time, so yes. you 've seen in only several decades quite quite big
2: changes big hey? changes yeah big changes not only in our, like I said not only our community a lot of the communities that i 've worked on and, and, and being a part of like on the farms that i 've worked on as well
3: can I ask can you talk a bit about what you see now um, compared to what you used to see like you've worked on farms do you have you been on farms that used to just be, you know, forest or you've worked in areas, yes. yeah?
2: Can you yes. talk about what you see now around the places that you know so well? What I see now, I see nothing. <laughs> that's the hardest part. I see nothing. You know, this land, this open spaces. You know, because I could, I could walk on the land, I could pick a wish tuck a tree. I know we planted I don't, don't see none of that all I see is on the land turns the dust storms. <laughs> that's the only I see now. Were there dust storms like that when you were a kid? Never. Never. The temperatures in the climate change. We never got minus zero degrees back then Where we started getting the temperatures back then from minus zero. That's, that's how I felt when the climate, when everything was changing. So the winters are colder and the summers the are hotter? The winters are colder. The summers are starting to hotter. I well, we understood that back then, but when I was, like I was saying, 70, 16-year-old. Because I practically lived my life on the land. I grew up on the land. I went and lived in cities. I come back to the land. I worked on the land. I went travelling for the last probably 15 years, working on cheering sheds and on people farms and... From down to the border, up to this border, and I've seen it decline in rivers in the country, the changes. And, and not only that, the people as well. Mm. How have they changed? <coughs> well, the community that you'd go into before, if you worked outside and you went in, you could you'd see some of your friends. Or it was they were happy communities. You go into some community, and now you know, you'd just feel the sadness in them. Because one, because... because because there's not, no, no, because, uh, because of all of those things I mentioned, isn't mm-hmm. you know?
3: it? So the places where you, where, well, the place where you raised your kids and I were drinking the river water, what's it look like there now?
2: It's a mess. You know, I haven't been back there. It's too sad. Yeah. Is there any water? Yeah, yeah. yeah it's just out, straight across the weir area, yeah, yeah. on the other side of the weir, yeah. But would you, would, would you drink the water today? Would I drink it? No. And go swimming. can't even swim in it. I won't even swim in the river today. Why won't you swim in it? No, too frightened. What are you fighting? Frighten? Yeah, frighten you're frightened get sick. Yeah. Do yeah. people around you get sick from the water, you reckon? Yes. What kind of sickness do you see? Oh, well i well, I've never heard of, I've never heard of cancer when I've grown up to <laughs> I mean when I like I said, when my children were young, I said I've never heard of cancer. So I've i seen cotton in the cotton farms, don't you? Cancer went right through people, you know, a lot of... Kidney disease. Never heard of people getting sick with kidneys growing up and talking to the old part fellas in the middle. Kidney, kidney disease rampant through our, our, our community. It's like the cancer right now. And those things you never heard of in the medical term when I was growing up, never heard of those diseases. They're rampant through our communities now.
3: So is anyone in your community able to access bush tucker or... Sounds like there's not much yeah. left. Yeah, that's good.
2: Yeah. Well, I know, you know, I've been in the city for about the last 12 months, I've been down in the city, and so. I'm just getting back home, yeah. yeah. And it's sad because the city for people don't understand what tax really out as well, you know. You get governments telling them, telling them people over the mountain, this is how it is, but not, not what we tell them.
5: Mm
2: the real story, the real truth about what's happened to our rivers, mm. and the lot governments can all blame one another, come and ask us Aboriginal new people, we blame the whole lot of you, mm. from the politicians to the cotton farmers, the irrigators, we blame the whole lot of you, yeah, the whole lot of you I've got a lot of hands for, and the people need to be prosecuted, the people need to be prosecuted get the message that you cannot steal water.
3: What do you see for the future of these communities at the moment?
2: Future? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I'll be here tomorrow or next week, i could pack up and go and...
3: If water con- the water issues continue as they are now, what do you think will happen to the towns that rely on the river?
2: People are, just going to move. people are just going to migrate from out in I've already seen it happen, it's just unbelievable how many people right along this river system have packed up and moved on. People who thought would never leave their community but have already packed up and moved. I've already seen them all in the cities now.
3: And what do you think has to happen to get things back to good health? for
2: the land and the water. <laughs> 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 what do I think? Well, we, we want to know. Yeah, yeah no, I know. Well, there's a lot of things, I think. You've got to start somewhere and you've got to get rid of the cotton. That's, that's just me. That's just me. The cotton's got to go. Because you could drive around the country from Eaton Dubbo, and see the country dead. But you will see a big, nice green cotton farm with their channels full of water. Mm -hmm. You go down this way, I've been up the way to Moore the other day, I've been traveling. I've seen these dead landscapes with big big cotton farms, they're green with their channels full of water. You say cotton are not part of the blame, they are the biggest part of the blame. The biggest part. You could do a fly over around in you know, all these cotton farms, you'll see that their dams are full of water. We've right? mm-hmm. got communities crying out for water. Mm-hmm. A lot of these cotton farmers
3: are part of local communities.
2: Why do you think
3: they are happy to keep producing what they produce and using the water the way they do?
2: Money. <laughs> Money. Greed. That's all I put it down to. Because the because the local cotton farmer, he don't give back to our community. He doesn't sponsor our football team. He doesn't donate to our school or nothing like that. That's, and that's what governments say. These farm cotton farm mines will build a new road, invest in your schools and your hospital. I thought that was taxpayers supposed to be doing, it. and not these big farmers. That's just me. Mm. <laughs> that's just me, but that's my opinion. That's mm. Do you have any
3: other questions, Gil? No. That's been really very informative. Thank you so much for sharing. Was there well, anything uh, else you wanted to tell us about?
2: No, if I think of something, I'll ring you up. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah actually, we, we have an email address too, and if right. you've got any photos or if you have other people who want to tell us anything, oh, we're yes. listening. Yeah. We're listening. Thank you so much for, right. for coming and telling us, mate. It's well, really yeah, valuable. Yeah. I I
0: You're listening to Showreel and we are highlighting the use of film to support and amplify the message of the need to reverse the environmental vandalism being perpetrated along the Barker-Darling River system. As we leave the citizens' inquiry into the health of the Barker-Darling River and Menindee Lakes, just a reminder that the website tribunal.org.au has a full complement of video testimonies which form a moving, transparent and compelling way for the voices of the people to be heard. That's it for Showreel this week. Until next week, keep safe. Bye for now. (laughs)
5: All the times I had
2: the chance
5: to, I stop my rambling. I don't do too much gambling. i seem to think about how all the changes came about my way and i wonder if i'd see another I don't think I risk another these days These days And if I seem to be afraid to live the life that I have made in song It's just that I've been losing Do too much scheming these days. These days, these days I sit on cornerstones and count the time in quarter turns to ten. Please don't confront me with my failure.